Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, December 15th. We begin with another edition of Ask the Doctor with Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist from the University of Calgary. This week, a focus on COVID-19 booster shots and who should be getting one, and the latest information on the new Omicron variant. Next, it's our monthly chat with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfelt. We asked the Chief for clarification on why the CPS vaccination policy doesn't line up with that being followed by the City of Calgary. As well, we take a look at those seasonal or cold weather crimes Calgarians should be aware of ahead of the holidays. 2021 has been a wild ride for realtors in the city. Realtor Justin Haver of Justin Haver and Associates, Remax First, joins us to share his thoughts on the year that was in real estate and for a look ahead as to what Calgarians can expect in the housing market for 2022. And finally, it's our continuing mini-series on family dynamics during the holidays. We chat with parenting expert Julie Friedman-Smith for some tips to avoid or, at the very least, manage emotional explosions from your kids over the holiday season. And we are joined this morning by Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor in the Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. We are here with him to answer your questions about COVID and the Omicron variant. Good morning to you, Dr. Jenny. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Good morning. Had this emailed to me the other day. Joanne really wants you to answer this question for her. She has had two AstraZeneca shots and Pfizer for her third. Now they're saying two MNRA shots can protect you from Omicron. So does it mean I need a fourth shot? What do you think? So right now, the evidence is, is that we don't need a fourth shot for the Omicron variant. So, you know, we're probably looking at a situation, again, it depends on the individual, where immunity is going to be pretty high. And, you know, I think that this is exactly what we're hoping to get in the vast majority of Canadians, is that that boosted immunity over the next several months, because it does seem to work uh, fairly well, at least at protecting against severe disease with Omicron. All right, let's talk about this. And, and as far as those boosters are concerned, I had a personal question, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know where the answer is for this, because I had the, the Astra and then two Pfizer's back to back. Do I need a third Pfizer at this point when it's available? Yeah. So once again, there are you know individual variants or variations in the patients, but um, you know I, I think that would be once again considered as, as fully immunized and boosted at this point. But it is one where you know when the the, the window opens up six months after, eight months after that third dose might have to look at considering a booster depending on what's currently in the community. But at this point, uh, most jurisdictions consider that not only fully immunized but also boosted at this point. Another question here, people asking, you know, is it possible even with all the vaccinations and booster that I have, how is it possible actually to contract the Omicron variant? People are confused about how that works. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, One of the concerns with the Omicron variant, one reason why it was declared a variant of concern is that the most of the changes we see, most of the genetic changes in this particular virus are in the spike protein, which is the target of our vaccines. And what Omicron's managed to do is change the way its spike protein looks. And in doing that, it can hide from the memory in our immune system. So our our immune system remembers what the spike protein in the vaccine looks like. And Omicron's changed its shape a little bit, so it's less recognizable by our immune system. Now, it still works. We've seen really good early data saying that if you are fully vaccinated, that there's a 70% reduction in the risk of severe disease. So the vaccines are still working. 
But we do see breakthrough infections, which means you can become infected, you can pass it on to somebody else, but your personal risk, if you're fully vaccinated, is significantly reduced. This next question here, Dr. Jani, you know, a lot of questions have been coming up surrounding the easing or, or restrictions that may mm-hmm. or may not be in place for Christmas. So this person asks, why should people that are double vaxxed have any restrictions? Because, yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I, I, mean, I fully understand the, the frustration with that. And, you know, we were getting to a point with Delta where double vaxxed was allowing us to begin to open up. But I think Omicron has changed that. And and one reason is we see so many breakthrough infections with Omicron, which, once again, if you're vaccinated, your risk of personal disease is rather low. But we are seeing double vaccinated people rapidly pass on Omicron to others. And the real risk then becomes if you're vaccinated and you contract Omicron, do you pass that on to somebody who's in an at-risk group? So somebody who's unvaccinated, somebody who has an underlying medical condition. If you are vaccinated, pick up Omicron at a house gathering, a, a dinner, and then go and visit a grandparent in a long-term care facility in the next couple days. There's a significant risk that you're passing that virus on to people who may not have the degree of protection that the average Albertan or average Canadian does. So it's really about transmission right now if you're double vaxxed and and the emerging data from Omicron is, is, you know, really forcing us to uh, reconsider some of these reopening plans. How about this one? If more people got vaccinated, first or second shots, would Omicron be so rampant? So it's difficult to say because the areas we're seeing it spread, we're getting fairly high vaccine coverage. But what we had seen in Canada, in our modeling, in our real world transmission numbers was the original strain of virus. The one that we saw mostly through 2020 required about 75% of Canadians to be vaccinated to stop that community spread. When Delta emerged, which is about one and a half times more infectious than the original strain, that percentage jumped up to about 90 in order to, to break that chain of transmission. With Omicron, it's actually three times more infectious than even Delta. So that keeps raising those thresholds of what we need for community immunity. And it is unlikely we will be able to achieve that, at least here in Alberta, where it seems as though our vaccine uptake has plateaued even short of the Delta mark. So I'm not sure if we will be able to control the spread simply through vaccination. Dr. Janney, can you stick around for a couple more minutes with us? Of course. More with Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist from the University of Calgary. Well, we are back with Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist with the University of Calgary. Dr. Janney, this is a good one. I think is probably important as we head towards Christmas time. Uh, this texter asking, I've heard the importance of ventilation if we host a guest in our home. What are the best ways to ventilate in cold weather? Is it as simple as opening a window or should we have air purifiers or your thoughts? Yeah, there's lots of ways to do this. Opening a window can work. Um, you know, trying to make sure that the space you're gathering in is as big as possible, so not small rooms, high ceilings. Uh, filters also work, but they have to be the right filters. They need to be HEPA filters. If we simply bring in other, uh, you know, lower quality air filters that are designed for, for things such as dust, they, they may not be uh, offering the protection that you hope. And it's it, literally boils down to how many times can you change the air in a given room every hour and the the more air exchanges that happen the, and a, a couple to filtration the safer those indoor environments can be
Dr. Jenny, we're, we're sort of in a holding pattern in the province. We were expecting to hear from the premier yesterday afternoon, but then he got bumped for a meeting. We know executives can get bumped for meetings all the time. Right? <laughs> um, so today, and in fact, I think this morning we might hear in the next with the next hour or so. What, what are your thoughts on uh, easing of restrictions? Should we change any of the protocols in place before Christmas? Or would you like, from your professional opinion, to see things status quo? I think, unfortunately, with what we are seeing right now in Ontario and Quebec, we're getting very real-world data of what Omicron does in Canada. And yesterday we had confirmed uh, community transmission of Omicron here in Alberta. So it's here. It's no longer within travel containment. So this is very reminiscent of where we were when Delta first emerged. And and unfortunately, we saw what happened if we eased too quickly following Mm -hmm. Delta. I know there's a lot of discussion, and really the big question remains. So we're getting good data of what vaccines do to Omicron. How severe is the disease? And and there's been a lot of discussion that it's a mild disease. And if that holds up, that's good news, and that, that will let us open but we're seeing conflicting results, and, and those early results of, of mild disease in South Africa, the the emerging data in the last few days has suggested that up to 80% of those people had already been infected. So this was a reinfection, and they had immunity to it, and, and the disease was less severe because they were immune. If we look at the numbers in Alberta, we are still close to half a million Albertans who are not protected yet, and that creates uh, the potential for for significant disease in this province if Omicron spreads widely. So I think until we have that better data, you know, what we have in place is working. It is slow delta. We can still go to restaurants. We can still gather with family. Our kids can still do sports. We can see a Flames game. And if we risk a spike in Omicron, we risk having to back off on what we already have open. And and you know, I, I think that that's something that has to be considered as well. Yeah, very much so. Well, we're supposed to find out at 9 o'clock, so we'll be listening for that. We have one last question before we let <laughs> you go. Kind of speaking of the numbers of those who still haven't been vaccinated, where is that one-shot J&J vaccine that Jason Kenney said he'd bring to Alberta? Because it seemed there were a lot of people who would be more willing to take that one. Yeah, I think there there may be a bit of a disconnect between people in a survey indicating that that's what they were waiting for and actual uptake of the vaccine. The the vaccine is here. Okay. Uh, My understanding is that a a small number of people have been vaccinated, but it did not lead to that that uptake that that they were anticipating. Um, You know, once again, it speaks to really our ability to to try and get those doses out. Um, What we are seeing, though, is with Omicron that the, the other vaccines, specifically Moderna and Pfizer, appear to be more protective with Omicron. So once again, the landscape has changed and, and, you know, the the best protection offered uh, continues to evolve as unfortunately the virus continues to change the rules of how we go forward. Dr. Jenny, we peppered you with a lot of questions and you had all the answers for us once again. Thank you so much for your time. You guys are welcome. Take care. You too. That's Dr. Craig Jenny, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. In our last monthly chat of 2021 with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld, looking at all the issues facing our city and how the uh, Calgary Police Service is reacting to it and keeping us safe out there. Good morning to uh, you, Chief. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue and Eddie. Always appreciate uh, your time. Me. Always love having you here. Um, lots of things to talk about. The first one, this is one that was a little bit controversial, I, I believe, la- I think, was it last week, week before? The rationale behind offering rapid testing to police officers instead of prioritizing the need to vaccinate all staff. It was something that certainly came up at City Council and curious your take on this. 
Yeah, for sure. And thanks for asking the question because I've certainly heard it too. So, I mean, obviously, as, as a starting point there, we encourage all our employees to be vaccinated. We think that's the way to uh, move through the pandemic. But, you know, we have uh, some significant operational pressures and staffing pressures right now. And, you know, we did the math when we were looking at the um, policy options, and I think we were about 85% vaccinated at that time. So when you look at us, uh, for us, that's about 450 employees that weren't yet vaccinated. And with where we are right now for a bunch of reasons related to COVID and unrelated to COVID, um, that was a lot to manage. Uh, Right now, while Calgarians are um, needing a lot of support from the police. So we basically uh, took everything into consideration and thought for us at the time, offering that rapid testing uh, option would give us more time to work with staff. And, you know, when I look back on it now, since that time and today, we've gone up from about 85% where we were to about 93 or 94%, which is which translates in our workforce to, you know, literally a couple hundred people. So I think that has been a very good policy option for us. We've taken into consideration everything, um, you know, risk. We have not seen a ton of transmission uh, between uh, the public and the police. In fact, very, very little. Uh, today, uh, we monitor this daily. This morning, we have two employees who are impacted by COVID. We've had very low rates, actually, throughout the, the course of the two-year pandemic. And so we continue to monitor this, but this was the right uh, choice for us. So you say two right now are dealing with COVID. How many, how many staff uh, does the CPS have? Uh, just about 3,000. Oh, okay. Well, well those, are, those are impressive numbers. Uh, let's switch gears. And we will look back on 2021 in a second, but we have to look at, we got two weeks left, at, uh, Chief Newfeld, And of course, these are an important two weeks ahead of the holidays. Just because it's cold out doesn't mean the criminals are, are taking an extended vacation. So can you touch on some of those seasonal and cold weather crimes that we have to be vigilant and aware of? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, one of the big ones, again, is, and we see this spike all the time with uh, the weather, is the um, stolen autos. So our numbers are down, actually. Our numbers of all property crime are actually uh, down this year, which is a really good news story. But certainly in Calgary and any cities that are uh, experience cold weather, we see people warming up vehicles or leaving vehicles run outside of um, businesses. And we often see them stolen. It just takes a moment. So that's a big one right now for us. And I think the other thing uh, as we head into the holidays is impaired driving. Our folks were out uh, last night working with the RCMP and sheriffs on check stops. And those will continue throughout the season there to make sure the roads are safe. I can't believe that is still an issue that we are dealing with and that you are dealing with. Uh, just it, it floors me every time I hear the stats of, of people still drinking and driving. So we're, we're grateful that you're out there doing that. I'm curious if you're seeing increased numbers of break-ins to vehicles. We know, obviously, Christmas time, you should hide your parcels and that. I will tell you, my car got broken into because my mistake, I left a bag, uh, you know, in the front seat on the floor of my car and, and it got broken into. And I heard from so many people saying this happened to me too. Are you seeing increased numbers through the pandemic particularly, do you think? Do you know, Sue, I think it's still an issue, and I'm sorry to hear that you were broken into. I think it continues to be an issue uh, in the city, especially around places like uh, the malls and and this time of year, again, as you pointed out. Um, But actually, the overall numbers are down. And I think that makes sense, you know, if you think uh, during the pandemic with less cars in parkades and more people sure. having their cars at home and this type of thing, that, that the overall numbers are down. But certainly the risk is still there and it's a very preventable crime and not to make you feel no, bad. No, it's true. But I, but I think, you know, if we don't leave things uh, visible in our vehicles, I think we find that uh, they don't get broken into. And I, I know it can be hard sometimes, but I think it's a preventable crime. All right, this will, as Sue indicated at the beginning here, uh, the last time we'll speak with you in 2021. So I know that... You know, we could do a month-by-month breakdown, all 12 months, but just the biggest nugget, the biggest takeaway that you'll remember from 2021, Chief Newfeld, from a policing standpoint. 
Oh boy, you know, there's <laughs> there's been a lot. That's a great question. I, I think for me, uh, you know, it, it has been such an uh, I guess another uh, very unique year, uh, and dealing with the pandemic and at times, you know, thinking we were sort of on the cusp of coming out. And um, I think probably the biggest thing that sticks out for me is uh, the need to look after uh, our folks. And I think that includes all employees, you know. I think, uh, you know, we hear from people in healthcare and people in education and the service industry and, and how hard it is to be on the front line of anything right now. But I can tell you, our folks have uh, continued to go out and serve with, uh, with dedication and commitment. Uh, but, but they're tired and they've been on the wrong end of a lot of it. And so, you know, for me, one of the things that I have uh, come away with and in looking into 2022 is the need to, to be out there and stepping up and support and make sure we get out the good stories because there's so, so many um, and make sure there's some balance to the conversation. Chief, wanted to ask you quickly about the, the 211 project available outside of calling 911. What's that? that, was that? Can you explain that to people? Yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of a reminder and, a, and a, I guess maybe a, a bit of a marketing campaign um, between the Calgary Police Service and uh, Calgary 911. So there's been a, a pretty good uh, spike in the number of calls going into Calgary 911. And what we see is uh, calls for the Calgary Police Service on average every year, believe it or not, are about 550,000. And so we end up responding to about 74% of those. So that gives you about 26% that the police didn't have to come to. And of course, that's a good number of calls that maybe didn't need to come to 911 at all. So if you think about the other services that are available there through 211 and 311, it's really just talking about making the right call and making sure that uh, folks are actually calling uh, 911 when they need to, when they have an emergency. But I think when you're dealing with non-urgent and non-violent situations, uh, 211 and 311 are often uh, really great options and have the capacity, increased capacity, uh, in fact, to handle the uptick in calls for social services and supports. Chief, I put you on the spot asking you to recap the 12 months. And I'm so gonna, he's going to do it gonna, again. I'm going to put you on the spot with that one. <laughs> Something that came up this morning, we were talking about the very inventive and the traffic Tuesday signs that uh, have a little bit of fun with the traffic uh, signs and info signs on the city's major thruways and, and, and roadways. And I, we start talking about pet peeves. My greatest pet peeves from Calgary drivers are, though well, there's two, just deciding not to signal, like why bother signaling? <laughs> and the other one is on those 50K zones, one that has the yellow line in the middle of the road, there's obviously two lanes, somebody that drives in the middle and drives about 35 in a 50 zone. What is your greatest pet peeve on the roads? You know, for me still, uh, Andy, and, and I get those because I think those are, those are very <laughs> legitimate. But for me, it's still got to be the uh, distracted driving. Mm. I got to tell you how often I pull up to uh, lights and that sort of thing. And I drive a vehicle that's a little bit higher so I can maybe see into other people's vehicles. But I think, you know, when, when you say, uh, Sue, you know, I can't believe we're dealing with impaired driving. I can't believe we're dealing with as much distracted driving as we are still as well. I think yeah. it's rampant out there. And that's one that really peeves uh, me off because I've seen some horrible collisions. Uh, which would have been totally preventable had it not been for that. Great point. Great reminder. Thank you for everything. Thanks for spending so much time with us in 2021. Looking forward to a wonderful 2022 uh, for you and your officers. Merry Christmas, and thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Sue. Same to you. Appreciate it. That is Chief Mark Newfeld, Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. People typically try not to list their homes during the cold fall and winter months. But this year, Justin Haver of Remax First says waiting for warmer weather might be a little bit of a mistake or a missed opportunity. You know, Justin is 
everywhere these days. Yeah. And he, literally, you see his picture and his signs everywhere. And he really does have, it's such a th- silly thing to say, but the finger on the pulse of what's going on in the real estate market, right? So if he says, sell your house in the winter, this is the time. Well, then- he, so many people, they can't, they have no option. Mm-hmm. So some people have some wiggle room. Maybe they can't wait three or four months. Well, if you don't have that option, what's the best strategy? And these are things you want to know. And you might not have a realtor. Justin's going to give us, you know, his thoughts on it. Uh, but if you can wait, how long do we wait for? And then interest rates. If you're getting into the market, there are so many questions. True. And 2021 turned out to be, and Justin can break it down for us, such a banner year when we didn't have very much for uh, expectations. So is 2022 going to be a repeat? I know that in my uh, hood, we've seen a whole bunch of flips going on. So yeah. oh, here we go. Uh, Justin, are you there? Yes, I'm here. So there there that's go. much better. Yeah. So to Sue's point, we want to make sure we can hear you clearly. You know, people would say, oh, we're getting close to Christmas. It's really cold. Maybe you can't see the front or backyard covered in snow. But that shouldn't dissuade you from selling, should it? You know what? Uh, obviously, what we're seeing in the Calgary real estate market right now is some huge inventory challenges as the, the demand for single family homes uh, continues to be you know, high due to obviously people wanting more space from the pandemic. And uh, our inventory for active listings for single family homes is down by 37%. But yet, so far this month of December, sales are up by 45% compared to the same time last year. So the demand is there and uh, it seems like uh, we can't get enough inventory right now. It's fascinating. So why is Calgary such a hotspot when it comes to real estate? You know, one of the things that's uh, happening right now is obviously we're seeing an influx of people uh, both buying for themselves, moving to Calgary from other provinces because of affordability. They've been priced out of the markets in Ontario and, and British Columbia. And then we're also now starting to see investors coming into the Calgary market as well, which you know, is going to obviously take a crack at that inventory. And uh, we're seeing more and more competing offers. We're seeing now 20 to 30 offers on some listings, which is uh, pretty crazy for this time of year. All right. Now, if we covered this year, let's give you the real challenge. 2022, what exactly is going to happen, Justin? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We all got a crystal ball, right? Or we have tomorrow's newspaper today. Yeah. You know what? What I foresee happening in the Calgary real estate market is that we're going to continue to see inventory challenges, uh, especially in the single family segment. And uh, we will start to see more of a recovery in the apartment sector. That is a sector in the marketplace that has been really under pressure for many, many years with an oversupply. So we're going to continue to see that supply come down as affordability in the apartment sector is going to be the major driver because people are going to be priced out of the detached segment. Now, when it comes to the prices, we can expect that, uh, you know, the prices will probably increase in between 7 to 10%. Obviously, we're seeing a recovery in the energy sector with Calgary being obviously uh, really driven by the energy sector when it comes to the economy, which does impact our housing market. Um, but we are diversifying our economy here in Calgary with uh, more tech companies starting up, which is very exciting because if we can have a more diversified economy, that's going to mean a more long-term stable housing market as well. Market. So what's your advice for people who are looking to buy, whether it be this month or just in the coming year, what do they need to do to kind of prepare themselves for that process? 
You know, in a competitive market, I think every buyer has to set the expectations that they could get into competing offers. So they need to position themselves by being prepared. And that means getting a firm pre-approval from your bank or mortgage broker. Make sure that you have your entire down payment in your bank account prior to going out shopping. If you are using part of your RSPs as a down payment, make sure that it's transferred out because you want to be prepared. You even want to get a letter from your mortgage broker to ensure that you are pre-approved because this is something that can be helpful for you if you are going to get into competing offers. Now, you obviously want to make sure that you're looking at real estate as a long-term investment, so make sure that you find a location and area that's going to suit your lifestyle long-term. You know, you know, getting the approvals, making sure you have all your ducks in a row. There might be people who... You know, if you've rented or maybe you're, you're moving out of your parents' house at some point, I don't think, and this is just for me from a non-real estate perspective, uh, my first place was 8.35%, and I know that rates have been a lot higher than that. I don't think we can underscore enough that if you're looking to get in, these interest rates so, so low, we may never see them again or, or not for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we hear the stories about... Uh the interest rates in the early 80s mm-hmm. being, you know, in at around 20%. And obviously, uh, interest rates in, you know, two, two and a half percent age range is uh, very, very affordable. And one of the things that we got to have an awareness of as well is that there's going to be some inflation happening with all the governments around the world putting billions and trillions of dollars in stimulus into their economies. There is going to be inflation. So, you know, in order for you to get in now, take advantage of the interest rates and also hedge yourself against future inflation. Because if you hold a tangible asset like a home, you're obviously going to have the benefit of the uptick of inflation in the marketplace as well. Justin, before we let you go, whether people go with you at Justin Haver and Associates, Remax First or any other realtor, what should they look for? When you're picking a realtor, what do you want to be looking for? Well, you want to make sure that you have a realtor that has a proven track record in the marketplace and have, you know, the strategies to ensure that, one, you get the best marketing if you're selling your home so that you can get put in front of the most amount of buyers. Obviously, the more buyers that look at your house, the higher the price will be for your house. And if you're buying, you want to make sure that you have someone that has the strategies to position you in the best place to win when you are in competing offer scenarios and perhaps also give you truthful and honest advice because you want to make sure that you buy a home that is also sellable in the future. So, you know, buying and selling residential real estate is an emotional decision most of the time. And sometimes, I mean, especially in a hot market, you have to make that decision in a, sometimes before you touch the door handle and leave the house. So you want to make sure that you get good advice from your professional because they got to look out for your best interest because this is the biggest investment of your life. Yeah, and you need to go with a pro because like you say, it can be daunting for the average person out there. Thanks so much for your uh, tips and your advice, Justin. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's Realtor Justin Haver online at justinhaver.com and that's H-A-V-R-E. Planning holiday gatherings can be difficult and in the busy schedule of a family and things can become quite stressful. So now is the time to jump on etiquette and expectations you have for your children during holiday family festivities. 
with some tips to help things go as smoothly as possible and avoid any emotional explosions from your kids. We are joined by parenting expert Julie Friedman-Smith. Good morning to you, Julie. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this uh, kind of a mini-series ahead of the holidays. Uh, So you've uh, sent me an email and used the term emotional explosion. So first of all, how do we define that? Well, I think any parent knows what that looks like, and it could be coming from the parent, and it could be coming from the kids, right? So true. And, you know, you said that I'm going to help you stop them from happening. I can't help you stop them from happening, but what I can do is give you some strategies about what to do when they happen. Okay, please do, because I have a lot of those going on in my house of late, too. Exactly, exactly. So the first thing to remember, and this works for all humans, not only parent-child interactions, but parent-parent and coworkers and whatever. We need to remember that when any human is highly emotional, uh, their emotion brain takes over and their logic brain basically goes into airplane, uh, airplane mode. It, the, there's no communication from the logic mm-hmm. brain to the rest of the brain. There's nothing we can do to fix the problem in the heat of the moment. We need to just talk to the emotional brain and get it to get through the emotion. So what sorts of things do we say? Or, or is it fine if, you know, you're preteen or teen, you're, you're having this battle, so to speak, and they just leave the room and go to their rooms? We're not supposed to chase them down, or do we have some kind of a grace period? Well, that's a great question. If, it's, if anybody takes themselves out of a situation, it can feel frustrating for the person left behind, but they might be taking themselves out of the situation to stop themselves from saying something they they knew was going to be even worse. So it's possible that waiting for a few minutes to let those emotions go through the body and come out the other end is a great plan. But if our kid is just, or the other person is just collapsing in front of us or just screaming or whatever, uh, rather than trying to fix it with logic, our job is really just to model back to them. So, wow, you're really mad. Wow, you are upset about this. I can see you're upset because you're not getting to where you're such and such or whatever the thing is. You're just telling, you're, you're letting them know that you're hearing them. And it's important to do that with our words and also with our face. So sometimes as parents, we try to put on a happy face and be like, it's okay, it's okay. Just cheer up. It's not a big deal. And in fact, that's not showing empathy. When our face shows empathy, mirror neurons release oxytocin for both people in the dispute. And so it helps everybody's bodies to start calming down. So use your words and your face to mirror back what they're saying. Got to acknowledge it, right? They can't just pretend it's not happening because it is. Okay, so before we let you go, I want to talk about pushing buttons because it's (laughs) tough, man. I've got a young one who is really good at that. As adults, it's hard to walk away, though. It really is, and it's not to say that we can't do anything about it. So the logic comes after the emotions are done, but when... Our job is to be that solid foundation that our child can have, can be who they are, can have their explosion or whatever's going on for them. And our job is to say, I know you're going to get through this. I know you can do this. You're almost done. It's, it's going to be over soon. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And then afterwards, we can, we can approach them and, and problem solve. But in the heat of the moment, fixing doesn't work. And if we could all remember that, we could probably save ourselves yeah. a bunch of harsh words and time wasted. I think we'd all like that to have it as great, smoothly, like you say, not, not solving, but going as smoothly as possible at that point. Thanks so mm-hmm. much, and we'll catch up again next Wednesday. Julie, thanks for your time. Sounds great. Bye-bye. That is parenting expert Julie Friedman-Smith. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.